You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am thrilled to introduce you to Jack, who is the CEO and founder of Clio and a pioneer in cloud-based legal technology. Jack Newton has spearheaded efforts to educate the legal community on the security, ethics, privacy considerations, and benefits of running a law firm from the cloud. Under his leadership, Clio is bettering the lives of businesses, the businesses of lawyers, while making legal services more accessible and equitable for all through cloud-based and client-centered technology. Jack is also the author of The Client-Centered Law Firm, a number one bestseller, that's helping law firms thrive in today's experience-driven era. Follow Jack on Twitter at at Jack underscore Newton for up-to-date commentary on technology, the legal industry, and the future of the profession. Jack, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So when people think technology and the future, they don't often connect that to law firms. So you know, what was it like when you started Clio and, and you know, you've kind of got these two opposing ideas, it seems like, very traditional law firms meets cloud-based technology. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Back in 2007, when my co-founder Ryan Govro and I had the idea for Clio, it was it was really a function of us first observing the emergence of the cloud and and realizing that cloud computing was going to transform every industry on the planet and. Back in 2007, it was already well underway doing that in the sales industry with Salesforce.com. And there's a few other areas that we were seeing cloud-based applications really get traction. And I described Ryan and I in those days as two hammers looking for a nail. We, we were kind of like, the cloud is the solution. Let's go find the problem that it could help solve. And Ryan at the time was the IT manager for Gowlings, which is one of Canada's largest law firms, as I'm, I'm sure you know. And what we observed through Gallings and through a relationship we built with the Law Society of British Columbia was this realization that, hey, legal is actually a massive, massive opportunity. And that, you know, the the legal industry back in 2007 was, I think, in many ways, the last major industry to be fundamentally transformed by technology in general. And one of the last major industries to be transformed by the internet in particular. If you looked at a law firm and how they practice law in 2007, it was not all that different than how law firms were practicing in 1907. You know, it was pen and paper. It was very manual processes, documents that were constructed manually. And we saw a huge opportunity to bring the power of the cloud to bear in the legal industry to fundamentally transform the legal industry with technology. And in lawyers, actually, despite their reputation for being technology laggards, what Ryan and I also realized when we looked at the technology solutions that were available at the time, we really felt like, hey, this is maybe a little bit on the lawyers for not adopting technology rapidly enough. But this is also on the technology industry for having to that point, mostly built tools that were very hard to use very expensive. And, you know, to be blunt about it, like products that kind of sucked that nobody in their right mind would want to use, whether or not they're they're a lawyer. And what we saw an opportunity to do was to bring the ease of use of a web-based application to the legal industry and to enable 
firms of all sizes, but especially solos and small firms that did not have the IT resources their big firm counterparts did to capture the power of technology and to transform the way that they operated internally and to ultimately transform the way they delivered legal services to their clients. Oh, that is incredible. So, and, and starting right here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Started right here in Vancouver. And in fact, Ryan and I were doing the remote distributed work thing before it was cool. Um, Ryan at the time and back in, in 2007 lived in, in Vancouver. He and I had grown up together. We were best friends tracing all the way back to uh, grade three, where we met in, in Edmonton, Alberta. And at that time, I was still still in Edmonton. I'd been uh, working on and, and wrapped up my master's degree at the, the U of A in computer science. Ryan had come to Alberta or to British Columbia rather, and was in the process of wrapping up his MBA. And that's when the light bulb moment for Clio happened. So we actually, over the first two years or so of building Clio, did so with me in Edmonton, Ryan in Vancouver, doing early versions of this distributed workforce thing that we see so pervasively today with the primitive tools that were available back then. And even our first handful of employees, probably our first 10 employees or so, were all hired remotely, strewn across Alberta and BC. That's all. Remember when Skype was a thing? Skype kind of led yes. the, the world back then? Oh, it's, yeah, it was Skype. It was HipChat was the, the chat tool or Google or ICQ. Those tools existed. We certainly didn't have anything quite like Zoom back then and tools like Slack were an epiphany when they came out. But we were able to create that community in a distributed way across that early team. And then, like I said, after a couple of years, we were starting to scale to a point where we were getting to tens of employees that we realized, hey, to build a culture that we really want in the company here and to build the kind of community we want at Clio we need a brick and mortar office and we need to choose a city to build that office in. And that's, that's where we ended up deciding let's build the headquarters in Vancouver. And, and me and my, my young family at that point picked up our stuff and moved to Vancouver and, and uh, the rest is history. That's incredible. And those that are listening from right across Canada, and I got to ask, and you may not be able to answer this because this might be like fight club. Those that are in it can't <laughs> talk about it, but is there a secret place, like a secret office where like you and Stuart and Ryan Holmes and, and these other founders meet just to talk about being the riders and the creators of unicorns. Is there a little village somewhere where you breed them <laughs> and pet your unicorns? If there is such a village, I haven't been invited to it yet, but I like to think there is. You know, it's cool. I, I mean, especially in the last six months, we've seen an emergence of so many unicorns from the Vancouver area and you know, we're, we're verging on some companies becoming decacorns worth 10 billion or more. So it's incredible if you, if you compare it to what the landscape looked like 10 years ago, there was, there was Hootsuite and that, that was it. And, and now there's Clio, there's Hootsuite, there's so many other companies reaching that scale and starting to create a real center of gravity of tech innovation and of talent in Vancouver, which is so great to see. Amazing. Unbounced, Nikific. Yeah, the list goes on. You know, there's Dapper Labs, there's yeah. Galvanize, just got bought for a billion dollars. Yes. You know, the kind of success stories and, you know, incredible founder community that's being created is awesome. Yeah. And I think Stuart, being from Vancouver, I don't know if he lives here anymore, but there is a tiny in Yaletown, the little Slack office door that I've walked by a couple of times. I think it's a smaller office compared to their headquarters in San Francisco. And yeah, I think he spends most of his time in SF these days. But yeah, definitely, you know, strong origin story for Slack in Vancouver and, and still a pretty significant development and support office from what I understand. So 
being a fan, and I will full disclosure, we at Jelly love Clio. We're huge fans of Clio Growth specifically in that working with law firms as marketers, every month you check in or every quarter, you're like, how many leads came in and where did the leads come from? How many files did you open? Um, your company created Clio Grow, a tool that not only tracks the incoming leads that come in, but you can track where they came from. And it's a whole file management system. Tell me about kind of the, the growth of that arm of the Clio ecosystem. Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I would say a natural evolution from where we got started. When you think about the first product we came out with, which is now called Clio Manage, that's really all oriented around practice management, helping a law firm and helping lawyers and, and their support staff manage their cases, manage their workload, manage their critical deadlines and track their time, build their clients. It's, it, it's really everything a lawyer needs to manage their day-to-day and to make sure they're doing an effective job of managing their clients, delivering legal services to their clients and getting paid for the services they render. So, you know, what we have always looked at Clio ultimately is the goal of what we're trying to build is an end-to-end solution that helps a law firm thrive all the way from acquiring their client, wherever they might acquire their client, all the way to delivering those legal services and then hopefully managing a relationship beyond the engagement where you've got a promoter that's writing reviews for you and referring new business to you and and maybe even coming back to give you more business themselves. So we think about that full client lifecycle and and we think about Clio as the platform that manages that full end-to-end lifecycle. And like I said, with Clio Manage, we'd done over the course of the first eight years or so of building Clio, we had built the world's first cloud-based practice management system. And, you know, at year eight, we felt like, okay, we've, we've actually, we haven't nailed it. We're not done. We're never going to be done. But we've really built the fundamental building blocks of that platform and of that capability. Where to next? What do we next look to providing our, our customers with a, a product that adds value? And what we really honed in on quickly was this idea that Clio could actually be helping manage the entire process the way we framed it at that point was thinking about what happens before the engagement letter gets signed. What happens in a law firm where they're deploying marketing funds to different customer acquisition channels? What happens when somebody becomes a lead and you need to convert that lead to a client? What tools can you use to track that progress and to automate as much of that as, as possible? And by the way, from our market research, we also knew this was something many law firms, most law firms, maybe all law firms struggle with deeply. Lawyers are, for one, not trained on the idea of sales. They're not trained on the idea of even the concept of what a lead is. For example, when we talk about a lead, it's often a point of education for many lawyers and law firms that just don't understand the idea that you need to nurture a lead and convert a lead to a client. And you need to be really deliberate in doing that. And By the way, if the client doesn't phone you back, it's not because they don't want to work with you. You might need to be a little bit more proactive and follow up with them. So there's a bunch of things that lawyers need to do to grow their businesses and build thriving law firms um, that they simply haven't been trained how to do in law school or in any form. And that's what we saw as a huge opportunity for Clio to be helpful to our law firms is to build a product, but also training and education around how you can grow your law firm. And that was really the thesis for Clio Grow. And that launched, uh, we're actually, you know, on the, on the cusp of the third year anniversary of launching Clio Grow. 
And it's now grown to one of our most important product lines with thousands of customers on the platform and thousands of law firms that are thriving thanks to this legal CRM, this legal customer relationship management tool that that helps them capture leads and convert leads to clients. That's awesome. And tell me about Clio Cloud Conference and the importance of you know you being a software company. Uh, software as a service. Why do a conference? Why do an event? Why do you go to all the effort and all the work? You know, what, what does it mean for you as a, an organization? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And you know, I, I would say an epiphany we had around 10 years ago when we started, when we launched the first Clio Cloud Conference was a realization that, and, and at this point we were maybe three or four years into building Clio, the product. And, and what we realized around 2012 was, you know, building the technology and building a great product that enables the kind of transformation we want to see in this industry is only one part of the equation. And and by the way, it might actually be a relatively small part of the equation. The much bigger challenge is actually the mindset shift and the education that needs to happen around what, what needs to happen to truly get law firms to adopt technology and to fundamentally change the way they run their law firms. And to accomplish that, we realized we actually need to build a community around Clio. We need to build a community that is passionate about what the future of legal looks like, that wants to build that future of legal alongside us and be collaborators and partners in doing that. And we realized that was something that no matter how great the product was on its own, it wouldn't accomplish in a vacuum that we needed to wrap the community and wrap the product around this education and support system. And that was that was the founding thesis for the Clio Cloud Conference is let's go build this community and let's go build this group of thought leaders and innovators in the legal space that want to gather and imagine and create the future of legal. And so our very first Clio Cloud Conference, which was nine years ago, was just 200 people in a very modest conference center in Chicago. And despite its modest beginnings, it was a hit. People were inspired. Yeah. We tried to bring Silicon Valley tech company energy to the legal yeah. space yeah. and make a sexy high energy conference. And most lawyers would not describe the conferences they go to as no. sexy and high energy. And that's exactly and, what we tried to bring. And give kudos like Chicago, hometown of LMA, Legal Marketing Association, and yep. ALA, right? The I want to say Administrators, Legal Administrators Association. That's right. The, and the ABA, the American Bar Association, yes. is headquartered in Chicago as well. So real critical mass of law firms, of legal associations, and, and so on in, in Chicago. So it's a great place for our first conference. And over the course of the last nine years, we've made Clio. It's traveled around North America. We've had events in Chicago, in San Diego, and New Orleans. And, and last year and this year, we've taken the conference virtually due to COVID-19. And, and that conference has grown to, you know, last year we had 4,000 attendees at the conference. And it's now grown to the most significant and most important legal technology event in the world. So it's really cool to have seen the Clio Cloud Conference become something much bigger than just Clio. Now, at this point, it's it's really a gathering of thought leaders and experts thinking about how do we go create a better future yeah. with technology and and the cloud and client-centered thinking at the heart of that new thinking. And you got Ariana Huffington, Scott Stratton coming. It's pretty cool. Yes. 
Yes, tremendous lineup for for this year's CleoCon and so excited about the folks that'll be speaking. And we always have these amazing out-of-industry keynote speakers. And I, I think Scott and Ariana are two great examples of people that, you know, your your average lawyer, you know, has probably heard of Ariana, probably hasn't heard of Scott, but they're going to be blown away by some of their insights and how applicable they are yeah. to, to legal. I think back to our very first CleoCon and one of the keynote speakers we had was Gary Vaynerchuk. Nice. And, you know, probably 95% plus the audience had no idea who Gary Vaynerchuk was at the beginning of his keynote. But by the end, he had a room full of hundreds of fans that were were completely converted by his his energy and his perspective on what personal brand looks like, how that applies to legal, why it's important, how you should think about engaging on social, how you should be your authentic self. And it was just a great external arm's length perspective that you know, I, I think that's what we need in legal sometimes is a bit of an outside injection of perspective and energy that can wake us up to the opportunities that exist in legal. That's awesome. So I, I got to ask, so you're, you're thinking of the audience that's at ClioCon. You know, when you started Clio, the audience that you were selling to, you've got this mix of actual lawyers, and then you've got law firm managers, and then you've got the IT admin folks. Who are you finding yeah. mostly that's been kind of grabbing onto Clio and 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 getting it right away? And who are you having to actually like market to and sell to? It's a great question. And as much as it sounds like it might be dodging the question, it's really all the above. And it depends so heavily on the law firm. You know, in some cases we see the size of the firm. It, It depends on both the explicit and implicit power structures that exist at the firm. You know, in some cases, uh, you know, it's, it's the um, receptionist that's picking up the phone that says, we need a system. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm going to drive adoption of this cloud-based practice management platform oh. across the entire firm. In some cases, it's the managing director of the law firm that gets technology and gets innovation that will drive the change. In some cases, it's the support staff or paralegal. In some cases, it's a junior partner that has joined from another law firm that was using Clio and has kind of been their convert and they want to bring Clio to the new firm. So what's so interesting about our business is there's not a traditional buyer persona. You know, there's there's not like, hey, let's go get the CIO. Even a law firm doesn't typically have a CEO. There's There's no one making the call on big investments the way there are at, at many companies. It's a more distributed decision-making process, which is both an opportunity and a challenge. And what we try to create in ClioCon is this place where everyone in that equation, regardless of where they're sitting in the firm, feels included in that community, feels included in that decision-making process, and feels like when they come to ClioCon, they're part of this broader community of people that want to innovate and want to do better, want to deliver legal services to more people, want to improve access to justice, want to improve the quality that they're delivering their legal services with, and 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 maybe in the meantime, become more profitable and more successful themselves. And that's where we see a lot of alignment in terms of how people think about the world when they come to ClioCon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like you mentioned, buyer persona, like we will work with, say, like a 20 to 30-year-old receptionist at one firm who is managing the, the said incoming leads using Microsoft Excel. And then in some firms, we'll have like a 50, 60-year-old, again, receptionist managing incoming leads using pen and paper. And those are the two people that we are trying to explain the importance of Clio Grow to. I, I can't imagine for you and your organization... When you think of marketing, when you think of getting messages out there, how do you market to such a wide berth of not only ages, but genders, but positions within organizations? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a challenge, you know, and, and we do see people getting onto Google and typing in legal practice management software, time and billing software. And those those are definitely leads that we can we can capture and we rank really well on on both paid and organic search and And all of that. But I think the real challenge is, and, and again, I think this goes back to how well is the industry educated in general. When we go and peel the onion on the potential buyers of Clio, there's huge swaths of the market that don't even know that practice management as a category exists, that there's software to do their jobs. I've overheard and listened to our sales team making cold calls into law firms And I hear the one side of the conversation where you can tell what they're doing is having a conversation where they are explaining to some, they're first of all, having a conversation, understanding the challenges and struggles that this law firm they're talking to might have. And they're describing the fact that they spend too much time generating bills, that they have a hard time keeping track of their leads, that they have a hard time coordinating their lawyer's activities, that they miss deadlines, that they don't have shared calendars, that there's too many to-do lists kicking around in different silos. And, and then, you know, we explain to them that there's a software platform called Clio that solves all of this for them. And you can, you can almost hear the light bulb going off on the other side of the phone call where they realize, like, I had no idea that somebody has gone to the work and effort of designing this comprehensive solution for every challenge I might encounter in my law firm. And to me, that's, you know, mind-blowing on one hand, but you can understand how it how it happens. You know, if you're just not exposed to some of these technologies and ideas over the course of your legal training, you, you could very well land in a law firm and just think that 
whatever comes pre-installed on your your computer is it, you know, like you've got to make do with Outlook and Excel and Word. And I think that's why you see so many lawyers cobbling together practice management system using Outlook and Word and Excel without realizing there's, there's a better way and there's a much easier way. So to your original question, you know, I, I think we're still working on what the solution is for how do you go tap into that market and how do you let them know that there's a solution like Clio out there but it's got to be very much a multi-channel approach. It's got to be a mix of marketing, a mix of sales, a mix of awareness building just through content. The bar association relationships we have are so important where they, they advocate and recommend Clio to their, to their members. And, and word of mouth is today still one of our biggest growth drivers. People adopt Clio. They love Clio. It has a positive impact on their practice. And they talk about how it's transformed the way they 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 practice that it makes them happier it makes them more successful and and i think one of the amazing things about lawyers as a customer group is if you if you build a solution that helps them they will shout from the rooftops to every single one of their colleagues that you're a solution that has helped them and so that word of mouth is another huge part of our our flywheel of of growth that continues to get bigger every day and i can vouch that i've taught a workshop for LMA a couple of years ago. And literally in the middle of the workshop, when I was explaining how the process works, someone yelled over to someone else across. See, I told you about Cleo Grow. I told you. There it is. That's the thing I was telling you at lunch about. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can get pretty passionate and it's so exciting to see. And, you know, again, the way I see many lawyers make decisions, and I think it's a completely fine way of making decisions is, is very precedent driven. You know, they'll look for what their counterparts and their colleagues are, are using and, if they're seeing good success with it, they'll sign up for that same solution. And that's certainly been something that has helped us a lot with Clio. We were the first to market in this category when we launched in 2008. We're the largest product in this category and, and we have really happy customers. And so that's a, a flywheel that that keeps growing. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really thankful to our customers that do do that, that shouting from the rooftops or maybe as, as you saw, shouting from the the audience <laughs> recommending Clio to their counterparts. And one thing I got to talk about, you know, people often throw out the term thought leadership, right? And they kind of throw it out casually. But you personally have been, you know, from early days have been a leader in that area of, you know, call it a form of marketing. And maybe you've just been doing it naturally because it's something you love doing. But tell me what it's been like for you with your own personal brand and your own kind of work you've been doing to build up your own, you know, quote unquote thought leadership. Right. You know, I would say what I first started developing what you might consider thought leadership. And I, I, I kind of bristle at the term. I know. I, I, what other term can we use? Like you just, you, I don't know. You, it's, I think it's the best we've got, but okay. Uh, I haven't, I haven't thought up an alternative at least, but where I started in that vein was actually way back in 2008, 2009, when um, Ryan and I saw that one of the biggest threats to Clio's eventual success would be, if we can't diffuse this narrative that the cloud is insecure and that you're somehow acting outside of your client's interest by storing their data in the cloud or that you're somehow at risk of being in violation of your ethical obligations to your clients or that you'll be in breach of the rules of professional conduct if you store your data in the cloud. And what we were seeing in the early days of Clio was our adversaries in the marketplace, you know, the on-premise providers were actually indirectly or directly taking this line of attack on Clio in particular and the cloud more generally. Um, and, and, and 
sowing the seeds of of what I call fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yep. You know, where they're they're just playing this classic FUD playbook that Microsoft played back in the back in the nineties. Uh, Gmail. To, Gmail's bad. To great effect. Yep. Don't yeah. Don't use Gmail. Don't use Dropbox. Yep. You know, we we heard it all, and and what we saw was our perspective was we can either get dragged along by this conversation and we can be reactive to this conversation or we can try to lead it. And where we thought we wanted to lead it to was something we actually believed with, with full conviction, which was an audacious statement in 2008, but I think it's been proven to be true today that you, the average solos and small firm, and I would argue even, even medium sized and large firms are further ahead and more secure storing their data in the cloud oh, yeah. than they are on their on-premise systems. Yeah. And again, this is maybe generally accepted wisdom today, finally. But in 2008, it bordered on heresy. Everyone thought that, you know, their their server sitting way in their their corner closet in their law office was was secure, even though it was wired right to the internet without a firewall, or yeah. you know, it wasn't maintained, it wasn't being patched, and it was it was maybe being maintained by their their second cousin, you know, like the average solo and small firm did not have great on-premise IT infrastructure or security. And so what we realized was, you know, this is something we believe to be true. This is something we believe we can educate the marketplace about. And so let's start doing that. Nobody else was doing it. Somebody had to basically become a thought leader yeah. on what the, what the security and ethics of cloud computing for law firms looked like. Yeah. So I started publishing white papers, writing articles, speaking at every bar association conference I could elbow my way into and traipsed all over North America, spreading this gospel. And, and eventually, at one point, I realized, like, holy smokes, I'm actually being reached out to by reporters and bar association leaders and even ethics committees that are investigating this stuff to speak on the security and ethics of cloud computing for lawyers. So mission accomplished, I guess. You know, we, we did manage to lead that narrative and led it to a really productive place. You know, there was the very first ethics opinion on cloud computing for lawyers issued in North Carolina. And this is back in, I think, 2010 or 2011. And that committee was really on the bubble. There, there was an alternate universe where they ruled that cloud computing was not ethically acceptable for lawyers to use. But instead, we managed to get in there and, and sway that committee's perspective and argue for the fact that Cloud computing, given an appropriate level of due diligence and, um, and 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 investigation, where a lawyer needs to build obviously the conviction that this is a safe and secure place for their data, um, entirely uh, an ethical choice for a lawyer to make, and in fact a more secure choice than many lawyers would make with the 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 de facto status quo at that point, which was on-premise computing that was pretty insecure. So that was. Yeah, the first five years or so of of Clio's thought leadership and my own personal thought leadership was really built around the security and ethics of cloud computing and helping the cloud become mainstream and legal. And the the second chapter of that story, I would say, uh, forgive the pun, is what was my book on the client-centered law firm, where I tried to bring to bear, you know, my 10 years of of learnings working with thousands of the best-run law firms on the planet. Uh, and, and try to unpack basically what are the what are the common threads that distinguish these really amazing firms from from the average firm, yeah. and honed in on this idea that the client centered law firm is the law firm of the future, and is is that that client centered thinking 
is the distinguishing feature and the common feature of, of many of these leading firms that I was speaking to. So what I've tried to do in that book is really distill my learnings and my views on what the future of legal looks like. And, you know, distills what I've talked about over the years in my various Cleocon keynotes and many articles I've written. But at some point I realized I need to organize these thoughts and actually put them down on paper and, and hopefully give somebody almost a guidebook and a manual for what becoming a client-centered lawyer looks like. And that was a book I published about a year and a half ago. Maybe you've heard this before, but I've read it and the applicable nature of it to agencies, the work I do, very applicable. And I'm sure that goes across for accounting firms and other sorts of uh, service firms as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and, and yeah, exactly. What I've tried to do is make it a, a bit of a handbook that you can pick up and actually apply pretty readily. It's not... It's not this this academic treatise on on what client centeredness is. It's it's a pretty practical handbook that I think whether you're a lawyer or not, the ideas apply to a lot of industries. And you know, in in, in many ways, uh, I extracted some of the lessons from the law firms I work with in collaboration with Clio. But I also extracted many of the lessons from just my own philosophy of how I've built Clio and how I've built Clio in a client centered way, responding to our customers' needs and. Um, listening to them and, and iterating on a product that truly meets meets their needs. And yeah, some some very applicable ideas to anyone in uh, any kind of service industry. Audiobook available? Audiobook is available. Kindle. Are you the reader of it? I did not read the audiobook. We got some really great voice talent to read the audiobook. Did you get a Scottish person or an Irish person? To do it? <laughs> it was not a Scottish person, although my wife, who is Scottish, would have loved that. Yeah, yeah. And then you can do, yeah, that, that's great. Maybe a Glaswegian accent. <laughs> amazing. Jack, how do you feel doing a little rapid fire round here? I'm ready? Yeah, let's do it. Be amazing. What was your first job you ever held? First job, I was running my own snow shoveling business in Edmonton, Alberta, which is a great city for a snow shoveling business, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah, I grew up in Spruce Grove. Which is outside, oh, so really? Yeah. All right. I know Spruce Grove. Yeah, I miss the snow here <laughs> being in Vancouver, but a lot of other perks course yes night owl or early bird early bird okay cat or dog person dog okay first thing that you ever marketed probably that snow shoveling service little loose leaf flyers that i left all over my uh my neighborhood in edmonton that's awesome dark or milk chocolate dark okay favorite word right now a word favorite word how about nuanced i love nuanced as a word Great. That is a great word. What is the last charity you supported financially or with time and why? So the last charity I would have supported was a charity to provide COVID vaccines to, to developing countries. And the reason for that, this was, was actually something we made a matching campaign at Clio yeah. where we felt lucky enough here in Canada to be, you know, one of the most vaccinated populations on the planet. Yeah. But we know that COVID-19 is a worldwide problem. We, we only get on the other side of this thing if we make it a worldwide solution. And yeah. helping developing countries access vaccines is a huge part of that puzzle. And, and we were proud to support that financially. That's amazing. I, I heard an ad for that, UNICEF doing it, and I'm sure there's others as well. And I was thinking back in the day in Spruce Grove, I went around with our little UNICEF boxes and would get people to put money I remember those UNICEF boxes. Where, where did those go? Are they, it was no. Halloween, right? That you always see the UNICEF yeah. boxes and... I haven't seen those recently at all. No, I know like Me to We and Free the Children ran like a scare the hunger away campaign and they get food 
drives around. But maybe it got too complicated with coins being collected and then having to mail in the coin. Maybe. Something happened. Yeah. yeah. Maybe nobody has change anymore. Everyone's no. asking the kids if they yeah. take credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tap. Can I tap it? You know? <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. What's a movie you love? You can just watch over and over again. Edge of Tomorrow. Just love that movie. Can't, can't get enough of that movie. And Mission Impossible Fallout as yeah. well. Also nice. a great one. Great choices. Big Tom Cruise fan. He's infinitely watchable. Yes. Speaking of which, before I forget, when you're saying we're looking at other marketing channels and reaching this audience, I'm thinking a Cleo John Grisham team up where he writes a micro novel. He's done one recently that talks about the perils of client management and office management and, and Cleo comes in to save the day type of thing. I think that could happen. Love maybe. it. Love yeah. it. No, that, that, that's innovative thinking. I'm going to get you connected with our marketing team. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we joked back in the day about, you know, in that vein, uh, a little spot product placement in suits, you yeah. know, where yes. if you remember Donna, oh, you yeah. know, was Loved always Donna. working on a computer and yeah. like, Hey, let's have Donna working on Cleo. Yeah. Just get a little bit of oh, that would have been product sweet. placement in there. Yeah. yeah. But then they had to go and wrap it up and Megan went on to go do something it, else. I know. What's with that? I know. It, it was too bad. The, the, that was a great idea. Nipped in the bud. Yeah. I wonder if one of those actors might be on cameo at this moment. I wouldn't doubt it. Maybe, maybe yeah. we could get the guy who played uh, Harvey Specter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Macht, I think. Yeah. He, he'd be good. He'd be a good awesome. spokesperson. Be great. Favorite song or album on repeat right now? That's a good one. I've been listening to a lot of some, some older stuff. Paul Simon, Graceland, yeah. yes. and Beatles, yep. and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band is one of my favorites there. So yeah, some, some older stuff in the mix right now. That's great. So in an alternative universe, you know, the, the multiverse world, if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing in that other universe? So I was definitely on a track where I could have become an academic in machine learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, was very, very close to joining a PhD computer science program at the U of T to, to study under Jeff Hinton, who who's the father of neural networks. And so I, I wonder sometimes about what that alternate universe would have contained for a career path for me. So yeah, maybe maybe an academic or in some AI machine learning startup would be the alternate path for me. Yeah, the alternate timeline. That's yeah, yeah that's really cool. What's an app on your phone you can't live without? That's a good question. So I use a, an app called Reader, R E E D E R for this is kind of old school but for consuming all of my RSS feeds. Yes, it's kind yeah. of how I keep on top of Yeah all my tech news, what's going on on all sorts of different fronts. So that's pretty indispensable. Uh, and the other app, you know, I, I haven't used in 18 months, but I certainly would have described as indispensable back in the days where I was traveling extensively was, was TripIt, which I used to track all my travel and it was totally priceless. So those would be two I at least used to use on a daily basis. Yeah. Good old RSS feeds. That's awesome. RSS feeds. Yeah. That feels kind of old school now, cool. but they're amazing. Yeah, they really are. Um, favorite children's book? Oh, that's a good one. As, as my kids have gotten older, I've been reading them Harry Potter books yes. more and more recently. Yes. And one of the more memorable books I, I, I really liked was a children's book by Weird Al Yankovic mm -hmm. that was called, I think, When I Grow Up, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just a book that kind of played around with the idea that everyone knows what they're going to be when they grow up and everyone's going to be one thing when they grow up. And you know, the punchline is like, you actually will have a bunch of careers yeah. and you'll do a bunch of different things. And there's a lot more flexibility than the question we all ask kids might suggest. And yeah. I, I just remember that being a really like 
cool, thought-provoking book that my kids happen to enjoy as well. Awesome. And, and then who doesn't love Weird Al? Like, that's, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and Weird Al, like, oh. definitely somebody I, you know, like UHF and all those albums were uh, definitely a big part of my childhood. Yeah. Best thing you ever bought for under $10? <laughs> I, I would say I'd go back to, to Trip It under $10 yeah. and something that just gave me like an unbelievable amount of value. Yeah. And peace of mind too. And peace of mind, just yeah. knowing, you know, your travel schedule is yeah. locked away somewhere and yeah. you don't need to worry about it. Brilliant. It'll tell you what gate you need to go yeah. to. I remember thinking I would pay an order of magnitude more than whatever they charged yeah. for, uh, for trip it every time I used it. And think about people who come to Vancouver. I've even done this as a Vancouverite. Like you're staying at the Fairmont in Vancouver. It's like, great. I'll just put it in my Google maps. No, there's three Fairmonts all within a five block radius. So which one is it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it helps you avoid all of those potential points of peril. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? I, I would say back to that career discussion I was alluding to earlier and this huge fork in the road I had where I, I was really passionate about learning. I was really passionate about computer science. I was yeah. really passionate about machine learning. And for a long time, I thought I was on this path to be become an academic. Yeah. And, you know, what I realized about academia as I got further and further down that path is academia is really all about your, your interests actually progressively narrowing over time. And you're eventually, you know, in, in getting a PhD, in its essence, what you're doing is becoming a world expert on some tiny sliver of, of knowledge of, of the world, right? Yes. And I think what I realized for myself and what I changed my, my mind about was this idea that, that I, I actually almost don't have the patience for that kind of long-term narrow focus yeah. and that I like an ever evolving challenge. And I like uh, the unpredictability yeah. of things to a certain extent. And what I realized in industry and later founding my own company is this is kind of the ultimate way to stay continuously challenged with something that is actually an expanding problem set, not a narrowing problem yeah. set. So for me, that was, that was an important bit of self-reflection and something that I've been really happy and fulfilled by is the fact that, you know, being CEO of Clio and in a rapidly growing company, I basically have a new job every six months. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm leading today a 700 person company. And yeah. just a year ago, it was a 500 person company. Yeah. And a year before that, it was a 200 person company. And the cha the challenges and the demands and the dynamics of the job change really substantially every, every quarter, basically. Yeah. And that's been really fulfilling for me. And one of the more important, I think, shifts in perspective for me that have happened over the last couple of decades. And I think we didn't even mention this, but the work from home, work from the office, kind of shift and hybrid and all those models over the last couple of years and the role that Clio has played. And even people might not know this, but the amount of support you provided to law firms. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Helping helping law firms navigate COVID-19, giving them financial assistance and um, again, like thought leadership assistance. What, what's your law firm got to look like? What, what does meeting the realities of the new world look like? Um, that's just a very dynamic and exciting situation to be in. But I like right away, you put your money where your mouth was and you make grants available. And I can't remember the name, but there's a guy in the US who likes to review pizza spots. But he reminded me of you because he, one of the things he did right away was all these small restaurants, like micro restaurants, found a way to get money out to them if they were struggling. And, and I feel like you and Cleo did the same thing. Any kind of micro law firms and small law firms that needed support, you were there for them. Yeah, that's right. We found, you know, it was, it was our moment to 
I think, repay the industry that helped make Clio what it is today and help them navigate something that nobody had had to navigate before, but that we felt we had, thanks to the way we'd been operating for, for years and operating in the cloud, that we had a real capability and expertise to help bring them there. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, business or marketing book that you'd recommend? Business book that I always recommend for anyone developing new products, Four Steps to the Epiphany by Stephen Blank nice. is a fantastic book and does such a great job of flipping this idea of product development on its head and instead thinking about customer development. Nice. That's awesome. Podcast that you recommend, that you love? Podcast I recommend is, I like the All In podcast, really great perspective on happenings in the business and tech world. Another podcast I really recommend is Michael Lewis's podcast, the, the author of Moneyball. He has a fantastic podcast. And the most recent season talked about coaching and all the different stripes of coaching that exist. And I just thought it was fascinating. Oh, I'd say those are great ones. Last question. Your new hires that you do, what are the skills that you look for? You know, someone's listening and they're like, man, I want to get a job at Clio one day. Or, you know, I want to get a job in, in an environment like Clio. What do you look for as the owner and the team that you build around yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. So we look for people that are hungry or passionate, you know, that want to go become part of something that is bigger than themselves and, and are looking for something than more than just a job. Yeah. You know, and, and that that's a huge part of it is, is people that are intellectually engaged and passionate about something, building a legacy and, and having true impact in a mission that matters. And at Clio, we talk about our mission being to transform the legal experience for all. We want to help bring law firms to a point where they're embracing technology and increasing access to justice thanks to the fact that they're embracing tools and technologies that, that Clio can deliver. So that's one part of it that we want the mission to resonate with them. We want them to be excited about that mission and feel aligned to that mission. And then the other thing we look for through our interview process is people that are aligned with our values. Clio has seven core values and they're available on our website for anyone that wants to check them out. But we want to see evidence that people resonate with our values and ideally can demonstrate that they they have shared values through their through specific examples of what they've done through their their work experience. One of our values for example is customer success comes first. Tell us an experience where you've put a customer's interests above your own or helped a customer succeed in the face of adversity or whatever the specific situation might be. Another one of our core values is to draw the fucking owl and 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 the idea behind our draw the f***ing owl value comes from this Reddit meme from years ago that I love. Yes. You might remember yes. it, but it's how to draw an owl. Yeah. And step, it's like the old kids how to draw books yeah. where it said step one, you draw yeah. a small, small circle for the head and a, a bigger circle for the body. And step two shows this, you know, beautiful, immaculately realized owl, like out of an encyclopedia. Yeah. And it says, draw the rest of the f***ing owl, yeah. step two. And and what we need for Clio is you know, people that that are open-ended yep. thinkers that can get done, that can take the broad strokes of a mission and go figure out how to realize it and, and that are independent thinkers, but also know when to hold up their hand and ask for help. So those are the things we're looking for in Cleons. And look, I mean, if you're listening and you're interested in joining Clio, we're hiring hundreds of people, literally. We cannot hire people fast enough. 
check out clio.com forward slash careers. And we'd love to hear from you. That's awesome. Jack, I'll put a link to that in the, the show notes. And where can people get hold of you if they want to learn more about Clio or connect with you? Yeah, check out Clio at Clio.com. Shoot me an email at jack at Clio.com. Happy to respond to any emails inbound. And hit me up on Twitter at Jack underscore Newton, where I tweet about all the interesting stuff happening in my life and in the legal industry. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week on Marketing News. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. It's awesome. And one day uh, we'll meet in person as you are literally down the road from my office right now. Let, let's make that happen. I'd love, I'd love to meet you in person. And we'll have a breakfast taco. Yes, breakfast taco and maybe a hike up Quarry Rock. If it's open. Now, what, what is the actress's name? She, she was in Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, uh, Kate Winslet. Yes, she loves uh, honeys. She loves honeys. And I think she single-handedly like 10 x how busy the place was with like one Instagram post. But it's good. They, you know, they're still maintaining their quality levels. And I mean, they're doing well, even with Quarry Rock closed and Deep Cove foot traffic down pretty significantly. Yeah. I think recently was it Blake Lively posted about some her favorite desserts in Vancouver. And, and again, same thing there. It blew up. I think it was asked for Luigi and she talked about the desserts that she gets there when she's here with Ryan filming. And it's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as if ask for Luigi wasn't hard enough to, to get into. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, there you go. You know, just helping out the, you know, the, the, uh, us people wouldn't know nowhere to get our treats and sweets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week, Marketing News Canada. We'll put all the links and the information in the show notes to learn more. And we'll see you next time on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.